This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hey, Bill Nye, the science guy here. And if I weren't at this uh, exciting event right now, I'd be doing what you're doing. I'd be listening to the Two-Headed Nerds comic podcast. And I'd probably be what? L-O-L. Welcome to episode 111 of THN, where I always have a cold, and that's why I sound like a Muppet this week. And we are talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday. April 10th. My name is Matt Baum. That's at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not watching reruns of Beekman's World and wondering why Bill Nye never had a talking rat assistant, I write the Comic Speculator blog for WorkPoint.com. Is it wrong that I was always more of a Beekman guy? I kind of liked Beekman, too. He was like the Jersey scientist. Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not bracing... For British backlash after my co-host forces me to read Margaret Thatcher jokes, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of Good Plus, which you can find at goodpluscomic.com. I stand with Morrissey. She was a bitch. This week, you'll hear reviews of G.I. Joe Cobra Files number one and Batgirl number 19. After that, we'll review 10 comics faster than Tiger Woods can speed dial a porn star after almost being disqualified from the Masters yesterday during the ludicrous speed round. Then... We'll pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Tiger Balm, a Ouija board, and the master of Kung Fu himself will help us learn the secrets of next week's comics. And finally, we'll show everybody just how smart we is when we play Ask a Nerd. But before we get to all the slandering of dead politicians, let's slap both our hands over our faces and pretend to be in shock after hearing that A-Rod has been caught in yet another steroid probe. Screw you, Yankees, and screw you, Yankees fans. And then... We'll talk about this week's big news. Hey, I'm a Yankees fan. Screw you too, Joe Patrick. This week, DC finally revealed what has been the worst kept secret in comics. The What the F*** cover to All-Star Western number 19 features Jonah Hex being held at gunpoint by a time-traveling Booster Gold. What the f***? Booster hasn't been seen since his disappearance at the end of last year's Justice League International Annual. While this is certainly exciting news for fans of the character, Gold's reappearance may have broader implications. A rumor... A rumor now. Don't get excited. This is what we do here. Yeah. The rumor mill. (laughs) A rumor coming out of WonderCon at the beginning of April indicated that Booster Gold would bounce around the DCU for a while, eventually ending up in his own title, and that he will begin to remember pre-Flashpoint continuity. Supposedly, the F in WTF was a reference to Flashpoint all along, which sounds like bull. Total bullshit. Didn't they just roll back on the on the WTF? Like they did, they did two weeks ago. Like no, that's not what they're called. That was just like a nickname. And now they're like, that's <laughs> now, what we're calling well, it. First, they said they, it means what the fifty two, <sighs> which is worse. <laughs> but what the fart is that supposed to mean? <laughs> now, Matt, is DC getting ready to eject out of the crashing fighter jet that is the new fifty two? kind of hope so i don't know how they really can i don't think that they can but i kind of hope so and now here's the thing with all the other weird crazy bonkers moves they've made would it be that nutty to just go back would it no no and they'd get all new number ones again and stuff i mean like (laughs) it'd be a huge story but it would make them look like how do you recover from that how do they how could they look any dumber but (laughs) really i mean to to long-term fans Yes, it's bad, but on paper, I think it was a huge success for them. Sort of. Yeah. But now their sales are right back where they were, and some are lower. 
But like, how do you recover from saying, you know what, the big gamble we took was a complete failure? I just don't think they care. And I don't think they're like the long-term fans. I really don't think they care. What they want is millions of new fans. Yeah. I think that if any, if there's any part of this rumor that is accurate, it'll be more that they'll try to have their cake and eat it too and by spin saying off like stories. The, the old, old stories still count. Ugh. Booster remembers them, but now it's a different universe. <laughs> kind of like how you know the post-crisis eventually brought back Earth Two and all that. Who cares? In other DC news, <laughs> the Collected Editions blog has uncovered plans for a new Fifty Two Villains omnibus, collecting the September 2013 issues of every new Fifty Two ongoing. The solicit for the omnibus indicates that September will be Villain Month in DC, and that every title will be replaced by a special one shot tied to a villainous character from the regular series. Except for the series that already star villains, possibly. No further information has surfaced about Villain Month, such as creative teams, characters involved, or even how many titles will be involved. I'm guessing 52? Mm-hmm. Looking at recent solicits, DC will fall short of their goal of 52 monthly titles. So Maybe expect- you should wait to say <laughs> stuff before you read the thing. So expect some announcements soon on that front. Villain Month will mark the second time that DC has used the anniversary month of the new 52 for a special event. Last September was Zero Month. Month, and I don't recall anyone caring. So perhaps. Oh, stop. This will be an annual tradition for DC. Joe, do you think this is fun? Do you care at all? Can, I think it's fun. Can you feel anything? I, well, can, I can barely feel anything. Listen, I, <laughs> we can't constantly bash on I know, DC. I'm not constantly like, bashing. I think that this is a. I, I like this sort of thing. I like this sort of thing too. <clears throat> and like you mentioned something about the books that star villains. I would love it if their villain one shot was about the hero. Yeah, that could be cool. So, you know, if there's a, if Deathstroke, who, like, who's Deathstroke's arch enemy, I guess. I, I don't know. But, like, if one of the villain issues was Batman, you know, because right, right, of right. whatever book. Like the Joker book featured Batman. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's kind of fun. I, I like this sort of thing, and I think it's fun that DC does it to the whole line. You know, it used to be in vogue back in the day for the companies to just do, like, special covers or silent issues, but right. this is, like, a huge, like, this is completely halting their ongoing stories for a special event and i think it's kind of neat no i think it's cool too i like i love these ideas when they're well executed they're a lot of fun unfortunately they're not always well executed they're not always well executed and but that's like any event you know some sure. of it's going to be fun some of it's going to be of bad of course uh but i'm looking forward to see uh, i'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of it also looking forward to hearing what dc is going to do to like pump their number back up to 52 yeah because they've canceled a lot of books, but not necessarily announced their replacements yet. That's so true. We'll see. Finally, this week's saga number 12 caused a bit of controversy when writer Brian K. Vaughn announced that the issue had been banned from Apple's iTunes store for, quote, two postage stamp-sized images of gay sex. The internet erupted with the fury of a million angry nerds who raged against Apple for everything from inconsistent policies to homophobia. <laughs> By the way, Apple is run by an openly gay CEO. (laughs) But that's beside the point. While it's true that the previous issues of the series, which featured explicit images of heterosexual sex, were not banned, Cooler Heads noted that the images in question were much, much more explicit than anything else that had appeared before. This didn't stop the nerd outrage, which continued unabated for 24 hours before Comixology stepped in and said, Hey, our bad! In a post on their blog, Comixology CEO David Steinberger said, quote, In the last 24 hours, there has been a lot of chatter about Apple banning Saga number 12 from our comics app on the Apple App Store, 
due to depictions of gay sex. This is simply not true, and we'd like to clarify. As a partner of Apple, we have an obligation to respect its policies for apps and the books offered in apps. Based on our understanding of those policies, we believed that Saga number 12 could not be made available in our app, so we did not release it today. We did not interpret the content in question as involving any particular sexual orientation, and frankly, that would have been a completely irrelevant consideration under any circumstance. App, 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 Apple, app, app, app. So to summarize, Apple did nothing wrong, and Comixology failed to submit the issue by their own decision and let the internet savage Apple for an entire day before fessing up, which makes them look really bad. And internet has once again proven itself to be a bastion of level-headed tolerance and understanding. Matt Palm, if there's one thing I know you love, it's gay sex. I'll what do you, you think about this? You're telling me? Um it's a weird panel. You know, I will say that. Like, yeah, I, I'm not really sure what's going on. It is kind of funny. It is definitely gay sex. Well, <laughs> like, it, it doesn't have anything to do with the sex part. No, 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 no. It's really explicit. Yeah, it's an explicit thing. Now, like, however you, th- however explicit you think Saga was in past issues, there has not been anything not like, like this. this. Not like this. And they kind of maybe snuck it in, and maybe it's a joke. I don't know. I guess the gist of the story is that nothing was wrong. No, nothing was wrong. Nothing was wrong. It just didn't get submitted. Or the conspirator in me goes, or maybe Apple went, listen, Comixology, you're going to take the fall for this. Shut your mouth and say uh, you did it. No. Which I don't think happened. No, because... I don't think that happened. Because, like, Apple, if for one thing, has never been on the side of censorship. Ever. No, and they are very highly r- rated when it comes to yeah. matters of sexual orientation and tolerance and that right. sort of thing. I mean, not to mention, like, look at the stuff they put on iTunes. They, they've never censored any movies. Never, not that there's hardcore porn there, but music. They've, they've just never censored anything. There's no reason for them to start censoring stuff now. I didn't think that it was censored. There was something else we just talked about recently that, like was banned until now actually you, you couldn't get like black kiss oh that's right that's right that's right and that's another that's another thing in apple's favor like everyone was ready to jump down apple's throat about being homophobic when you couldn't get black kiss on there you couldn't get right. you, you can't get housewives at and play no one was like <laughs> on there apple's totally racist towards demons with penises that right, rape exactly. women you know like you know I mean, it's just ridiculous and of course the first thing the internet does is run around screaming and pointing well, fingers because that's what the internet loves to do you know? I, th- I think the thing that makes this a bigger story is that it wasn't just like fanboys it was creators too no oh, yeah and like what was brian k period vaughn yeah how did brian vaughn even find out that his thing was not going to be up on the app store the day before it came out somebody told him well, probably Comixology. Well, I mean, they looked at the list for digital releases and it wasn't there. Yeah. And from there, they made a leap in logic, I guess. I don't know. But, like, creators were coming out in force. Comic news sites were re- reporting it as Apple bans gay sex scene. Which makes me wonder if they did roll back on something. Not no, because it was I like... I don't think they like, did. hey, we all agree we don't like queers, right? Let's not... Really <laughs> no. I mean, it's not. I don't think it was like that. But maybe they are like, maybe this is a little too explicit... Let's not do it. And then everybody freaked out. And they went, all right, here you go. Gay sex. It was a mistake. (laughs) I I I mean, I don't know. I think the story here is that people jumped to the absolute wrong conclusion. And it really has left, I think, damaged Comixology's reputation. Probably. A little bit. And, I mean, they're still really the only game in town when it comes to 
getting all your digital comics in one place. But man, bad move, guys. Like a full a full news cycle went by. Yeah. And Apple just was like blissfully unaware that there was a problem. Yeah. Well, uh, apparently nobody at Comicology was checking their email. I, either. I guess. <laughs> That is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page where you can see videos of me proving to Joe Patrick just how much I love gay sex. Gross. Yeah. Gay sex. Gay sex. Another like a good old-fashioned gay sex chant to keep your podcast rolling. Wow. Each week, my favorite gay sex partner, Joe Patrick, posts Whoa! the question of the week what? on our Facebook and Twitter. And we not only read your responses, but if you call us on Skype, our Skype name is Two-Headed Nerd, no spaces, and leave us a message. We'll play them all on the new Answer of the Week audio blog exclusively at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Joe, what did we ask these nerds this week? This week's question was, what's your favorite Mature Readers comic series of all time? If you want to hear us making fun of your answers along with our own uninformed responses, go to TwoEditNerd.com and check out the unedited, not safe for Winnebago's Answer of the Week audio blog on Wednesday. Wednesday. It still says now in the script. Good job. Wednesday. That was some on-the-fly work there. <laughs> It's review time on THN where Matt and I read two of this week's comics and then get all weepy and cry while telling you guys how they made us feel. Matt, what did you read this week? This week I read Batgirl, number 19, written by Gail Simone with art by Danielle Samper or Sampere. Or Daniel. Or Daniel Sampere. <laughs> Here's your solicit. It's a long one. Buckle up. Will a battle of sibling rivalry lead to a death in the family? Spoiler, yes. <laughs> Gail Simone returns to Batgirl after being fired from the title and then having her job saved by the internet. And her triumphant return happens right in the middle of a story started by interim writer Ray Fox. I don't understand it either. As loyal listeners may remember, Bab's little brother, James, is back and he's a total psycho. And not quite the psycho that writer Scott Snyder handled so well in his pre-launch Detective Comics run. Here, James is almost comically evil. And there's no pun intended there. <laughs> The writing is bad. It's just bad. James does not come off as a psychotic killer, but more of like a strangely translated anime villain. Like, some of what he says barely makes sense. There's a flashback scene where Barbara and James are watching a horror film, and they're young. And James won't watch a murder scene. Babs thinks it's because he's afraid. Turns out, no, he's not scared. He actually says out loud, I'm not looking away because of the blood. It's because the killer is so sloppy. That's a device called... He's evil! It's a device called <laughs> foreshadowing! You know, they come on. <laughs> really? This is just ham-fisted writing. I don't need James saying stuff like this to make me understand he's psychotic. I don't need James standing in front of an old amusement park clown holding a sign that says, you must th be this tall to ride, but ride is crossed out. And now it says, you must be this tall to cry to illustrate that he's evil. It's dumb. And, spoiler alert, the whole reason that he's psychotic is he was jealous of Babs when they were kids because she got more attention for being smart and good at ballet. For not being psychotic. That is 
stupid. <laughs> this is lazy writing. It's the equivalent of Hollywood telling us that Michael Myers from Halloween was turned into an unstoppable killing machine because his mom and big sister were trashy sluts. I mean, it's just dumb. You, it doesn't matter why he's a psycho. Don't tell us why he's a psycho, and it's even scarier. James is completely overexplained and talks way too much to be scary here. There's just no reason for any of it other than they need this bad plot to go forward. It's really hard for me to blame Gail Simone because I love her. I love her so much. But this is poorly written, and it's got her name right on the damn well, cover. Well, no, then she is to blame. I know, and that's what I'm saying. I'm doing it. It's poorly written. I'm not saying it's not her fault. She did jump in in the middle of a story, which I don't understand, unless, like, Ray Fox died or something. But I think that, like, this is where it was going before. Like, we don't read Batgirl on the regular. No, it was. I, and, and so th- I think this is all stuff she set up. Would you argue that all the Gail Simone stuff you've read before this Batgirl series was stuff that you enjoyed? Maybe. Not all of it, but I most think, of it. I would I say think, 90% of her stuff I enjoyed. I think Gail Simone is a very talented writer, but that doesn't mean she's not capable of a misstep. I, I agree. And I think that what's mostly bad about this is the dialogue. Yeah, it's, it's and horrible. That's not editorial. Editorial no, would be plot. I agree. I agree. But Now, I will say, if she's trying to roll with the story as Ray Fox was writing it, and make James speak the way that Ray Fox had him speaking, she did a good job of that. Because <laughs> Fox set that up. Okay. I'm not, say- I'm not trying to take any fault away from her here. I'm not going to spoil the end of the comic here, but there is a big... You already did. Oh, okay. No, I didn't. I get it. There's the a very end. big failed Shakespearean climax that plays out with James Gordon Sr. doing some of the worst police work of his life. And once again, it seems only for the purpose of forcing this bad plot device. It- to make the story even more cloying... We find out that Bab's roommate, who James has been trying to seduce to get to Barbara, or something like that, we find out she's transgendered, which I'm fine with. You know what? You can, you can make the whole damn DCU transgendered if it's a good story. I don't care. But it does nothing for the story here. In fact, it happens in this really awkward panel where Barbara, like, doesn't even react. Babs comes in, tells her old roommate everything about her past. The Joker shot me. I was paralyzed. I miraculously got better. The editorial DC still hasn't decided how yet, so I'm not going to go into it. (laughs) And then her roommate turns to her and goes, Babs, I appreciate you telling me all that stuff. I'm transgendered. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the roommate needed something. Right. It reads like the roommate needed something of comparable uh, weight right. to share like after Babs' story and went, um, uh, well, uh, I'm transgendered. I've got a weenie in my pocket, you know? I mean, like, it, it was just so awkward. And then Babs immediately just throws her arms around and goes, I love you. Hold on, my phone is ringing. Oh, got to take this. I'll see you later. You know? <laughs> and leaves. Like, one panel later, she leaves. They don't sit up crying all night, say, oh, that must have been so difficult for you. You know, I can't imagine what it's like to grow up like that. Yeah, it, it's just like, sort of like, oh, great. I love you. Goodbye. And, I mean, I understand the plot needs to move forward. Sure. But, it like, the whole moment falls completely flat, and totally. it feels like it has literally been shoved into what tiny space was left. Right. It's just stupid. All this does is it does nothing for the story. All it does is grab headlines. That's it. It's a headline grab. 
Because it adds nothing to it, whether or not she's a girl with a wiener. I mean, it adds nothing to this story. <laughs> like, here's here's a, an example of this sort of thing done right. Like some years ago, Judd Winnick was writing Green Lantern. Yes. And Kyle Rayner had an assistant that was helping him out, and he was a gay, you know, a young gay right. uh, bo- a teenager. And he was bullied. And, and uh, in one issue, he was the victim of a hate crime. Like he was brutalized. Yes. And... You know, at the time, you know, people gave Judd Winnick a lot of crap because Judd Winnick is very open about his, you know, his relationship with his friends, his friend Pedro, and his opposition to homophobia and all this stuff. Pedro and me about the guy, his friend that died of AIDS. It it was easy to read it as Judd Winnick being on on his soapbox, shoving this into Green Lantern where it didn't need to be. Except that was the story was about that. Right. It wasn't Kyle Rayner is off to battle major. uh, Kyle Rayner's off to battle major force once again. I stopped by my apartment to charge my ring real quick. By the way, I got beaten up. Yeah, or not even. Or like, oh, <laughs> hey, there's Harry the hot dog guy that I see every day. What's going on, Harry? You're in a bad mood. Yeah. I've got prostate cancer. <laughs> like, well, see you later, Harry. <laughs> you know? this, like, that was like, or that was the story. That's what the story was about. Yeah. And f- this should have been handled a whole lot better. You know, give us a one-off issue where Babs discovers this about her friend. Right, or maybe, like, the secret that she's been keeping about all this stuff and her victimization is, like, all of a sudden seems like nothing in the face of what her roommate has had to deal with for who knows how long. This just did nothing. Felt completely flat. Yeah. Leave it. I can't give it a bigger leave it. I should say the art by uh, Sam Per or Sam Pere, solid. Nothing to write home about. He put some genuine emotion in the panels, but the dialogue was terrible. The plot is bad, and the transgendered thing just stuck out like a sore thumb. It's you true. Know? No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I agree. I I'm disappointed in it because I want to like it, and unfortunately, I, every time I pick up Batgirl, I'm just given more reasons why yeah, I don't like it. I just it's they terrible. spend the whole issue. She spends this whole issue complaining about how horrible it's been since she started being Batgirl again. Well, here's my solution: stop being Batgirl. Sure, yeah. Stop being Batgirl. Go back to being Oracle. <laughs> you don't have to sit in a wheelchair to be Oracle. No, just you do really it. Don't. You don't. But I'm giving this a leave it as well. It was ham fisted, way over the top, and it didn't do anything for me. In fact, it made me groan. Right. So I'm giving it a pass. Joe Patrick, tell us what you read this week. My pick of the week was G.I. Joe, The Cobra Files, number one from IDW, written by Mike Costa, with pencils by Antonio Fuso, and inks by Emilio Lecce. Here's your solicit. Her name is Chameleon, and she used to be a Cobra agent. I think it's pronounced Chameleon. Chameleon. <laughs> and she used to be a Cobra agent. Now she's made her way into the G.I. Joe team the honest way. But even with the best of intentions, does she have what it takes to fight on the side of the Angels? Flint thinks she does, and he is willing to gamble the lives of his teammates on her. Unfortunately, with the unfortunately with the Quimson twin with the Quimson twin <laughs> called Tomax pulling the strings, no bet is a sure thing. Time out. They're headquarters in a casino, and in the solicit, we have reference to... No bet. Gambling. Gambling and bets. Betting. Like, come on. <laughs> they they put every character name in all caps, which makes me want to scream the names. Yeah, I know. <laughs> does she have what it takes to fight on the side of angels? Flint thinks she does. <laughs> Long-time listeners may remember me raving about G.I. Joe Cobra in the past. 
though I'd fallen way behind in my reading of the series. I think from now on we always yell every <laughs> anything that is written by like the company in, in all, all caps, caps gets yeah. screamed. Okay. <laughs> I was hoping that this new relaunch would give me an opportunity to jump back in. Unfortunately, this read more like Cobra number twenty one than a new number one. This issue follows Erica Leten, a former Cobra operative who is now a conflicted member of the G.I. Joe team. And while Laten struggles to find her place on the Joes, her fellow Cobra defector, Tomax, tries to undermine the team from within. Costa's script is as good as I've come to expect from him, but I felt really lost with a lot of what I read here. I realize that I'm jumping in after missing several issues, but this is a new first issue. And you'd think that the main goal behind the relaunch would be to lure in new readers. I don't know how any new reader would be able to latch onto this. I read the first few volumes of this series and even I barely kept up. The art by Fuso is not as good as I remember. I'm not sure though if it's due to Lecce's inks or if Fuso was just rushed. It's not terrible, but it's not up to the standards that Fuso set in the earlier volumes. Yeah, he's really good and this did not look good. It it didn't look great, no. Yeah. It's sad because I was really excited to get back to this world. And I plan on catching up on what I missed, and I expect that will answer any questions I have. But because of the mediocre art and the impenetrable script, I can only give this a skimmit. It's not bad. It's well done. It's it's well told. The it was art, well written. Yeah. The art is so-so. It could be better. But unless you've been reading from the jump, I don't know how you'll keep up with this. It's yeah. a very poor first issue. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I am that new reader. I did not read the old Cobra series. I, I know what it's about, and I know it was great, and I know it got great reviews. If I pick this, after reading this, I have no urge to go back and read the other stuff. Because, first of all, I just didn't know what was going on sure. at all. I was lost. Their headquarters is in a casino. Why? No answer there. Uh, Cobra Commander's kid is dying. First of all, didn't know he had a kid. Second of all, why is he dying? No clue. You know, like, yeah, I mean, this really needed a recap page. Yeah. I mean, and all they needed to do was just recap what happened on the first page. And there's nothing. They just throw you right into it. Yeah. And without a frame of reference, I couldn't even tell who some of the characters were. Yes. Yes. If it wasn't for the solicit, I wouldn't be 100% sure that her partner in the back half of the book was Flint. Yeah. Or why the hell G.I. Joe would be like, hey, evil crimson twin. Come work for us. Now, I'm sure that that's explained in the previous volumes. <laughs> Probably, but maybe you mentioned that. You yeah. know, like, just bring me up to speed. I had it's no true. idea what was going on. I have to give this a leave it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not even fair to say that this did a poor job of bringing you up to speed. It, it made no effort. It did not do the to job. To bring you up to that's speed. That's my point. And, and the only reason it gets a skim it from me and not a leave it is because I was familiar, familiar with enough of the elements to keep up for the most part. Yeah, I'm not even going to say... I'm, I'm giving a leave it because I didn't know what was going on. And the art, I'm not going to say it was bad. It looks unfinished. Man. This book looks unfinished. That's all I can say. Man, we are in a bad mood today. Apparently. So that is a double leave it for Batgirl 19 and a skim it and a leave it for G.I. Joe Cobra Files number one. Of course, we want to know what you deep cover transgendered psychopaths thought of these comics. <laughs> so do us a favor and try to explain what either of these writers were going for over at the comments section for this episode at TwoHeadedNerd.com. As you may have heard, money has been a little tight at Lords of Discipline, Inc. while we search for a new sponsor. So today, Matt and I will be curling up into balls 
and rolling through a maze of loops and ramps, collecting glowing rings Sonic style that we can sell to secure the future of this show. During this week's Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed! Go! Mega Man 24, Archie. I picked this up because this is the first part of a 12-part epic Sonic the Hedgehog Mega Man crossover. That is a vision there. I know. (laughs) I almost made this my main review, but really I had very little to say about it other than it's fun. It's fun. The art is good. And if you like Mega Man and or Sonic, it's a buy it. Otherwise, you know, it's it's an all-ages comic. You can skip it. You can skip it. Colonized, number one from IDW. Chris Ryle writes the story of aliens and secessionist humans versus zombies. And the art by Drew Moss is not bad at all. I'm just not sure what they're going for. The comic's not near as funny as it's trying to be. It's got, like, these bumbling aliens. And when it is serious, it's hard to care. They just they should have stuck with just aliens versus zombies and left out the anti-government militia group. They're like It's clunky, but it's not terrible. Skimming if you dig zombies, I guess. I just don't know where this one's going. Invincible Universe number one from Image. This is the replacement for Guarding the Globe, which I have raved about in the past. This is by Phil Hester and Todd Nock, and it is awesome! They're doing a great job telling the story of the larger Invincible Universe, and I love it. I love it. The art is great. The script is great. This is a wonderful book by a great creative team. Huge buy it. Six. Number two from Image. Number two actually fleshes out what is going on in the book a little more, and it looks like if you paid attention to what we my review of sex number one, I was right. Our hero has been just that, a celibate hero for so long that uh, he never really fell into any of his carnal urges, and now he's starting to give way to him. This is a really well-written human book. Joe Casey has done it again. Love that guy. Buy this. Ultron number one, AU, Marvel. Because they had to put the AU on there just in case... You didn't know this tied in. <laughs> this is not actually about Ultron itself, but rather it's about Victor Mancha, who you may remember as the son of Ultron from The Runaways. I, I miss The Runaways a lot. I think he's a fun character. Who was He was a, an android raised as human who found out that he was built by Ultron and rebelled against him. So Ultron has a Hispanic baby mama? Yeah, Ultron has a Hispanic baby mama. Oh, he likes them spicy. Oh, wow. Oh. Uh, this was okay. The art was not my favorite, uh, but it's a decent story about a character that I think is kind of interesting. I, it's hard to call it essential reading for the Age of Ultron tie-in, but it may be of interest to people that are curious about the upcoming Avengers AI. I'm giving it a skim it. It's good, not great. You probably can miss it if you're on a budget. Batman, number 19 from DC. We got another pulled out what the f*** cover here featuring Bruce Wayne pointing a gun at James Gordon. What? <laughs> yeah, it's Clayface. But, you know, I mean, this was well written and it's fun. It kind of felt like a fill-in issue while they're building to this Batman Year Zero thing. But not bad. It's not one of Snyder's best Batman issues. Skim it. Wow. Yeah. Give it a skim it. Batman. You know what? Not every... It, sometimes standalone issues are okay. That's right. And I'm fine with that. This just wasn't an exceptional standalone issue. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Batman Little Gotham number one, DC. This is the print version of the digital first series by Dustin Wynn and Derek Friedolfs. It's what it sounds like. It's kitty versions of the Bat Family running around. I'm just so glad they figured out a way adventures. to give us DC baby covers, too. You know? Look... Listen, I hate this. Shit. Here's hate the deal: it. it's cute, yeah, it's yeah. fun, it's beautifully painted by Dustin Wynn. 
it's kind of nostalgic because it's got Stephanie Brown. Like, there are nods to Stephanie Brown in it. Cassandra Kane, I think, is in it. Barbara Gordon's in a wheelchair. It is like the old. It's the it's the old versions of the characters. So there was something you know nice about that. Fair enough. But it is what it is. It's just cute and fun, and to call it a must-read is a bit of a stretch. <laughs> so I'm giving it a skim it, but it's Second worth what checking you out. Said this about. Well, listen, like I got gotcha. you. Here's the thing. In all seriousness, a kid came into the shop today with his dad. This kid's like two years old. Okay. Barely talking in complete sentences, and he couldn't shut up about Batman Little Gotham. So if that's not an endorsement for you, I don't know what is. There you go. Two-year-olds love it. Yeah. Fearless Defenders, number three from Marvel. Uh, Marvel really wanted to have Wonder Woman in their universe, and it looked like they were doing Lady Sif, but instead, Cullen Bunn gives us Warrior Woman, who dresses like Wonder Woman, whose real name is Hippolyta, which was Wonder Woman's mom. Hippolyta. Whatever. And she has dreadlocks. Ugh. I don't like this book. I just don't like it. I don't care. I want to care. This should be right up my alley. It's Asgardian stuff. It's Hella yelling at the All Mother. So I don't care. I do like Misty Knight. I like Misty Knight too. Don't care about this. I can't give it a leave it because it's fairly well written, but I barely care. Skim it. Avenging Spider-Man number 19 from Marvel. This is Spider-Man teaming up with Sleepwalker. I, I couldn't wait to read this issue. Wow. <laughs> Sleepwalker comes out of nowhere. The name you haven't heard for a while. And returns to the Marvel Universe. Marco Cicchetto. Is Marco Cicchetto? Yeah, Marco Cicchetto does a great job on the art. He didn't quite get all the Sleepwalker reference he needed. And his redesign is a little wonky. Huh. He's got no mouth. He looks super scary. But, I mean, maybe he did that on purpose. Uh, it's Sleepwalker mucking around in Doc Ock's brain as some sort of dream monster uh, takes over his body and runs amok. Super fun. Great art. I love this book a lot. Does Sleepwalker know his secret? No. Okay. Which was kind of silly. Yeah. But I'm going to give it a pass because it's Sleepwalker. Okay, fine. You can't have Doc Ock outed by Sleepwalker. No, fair enough. Uh, I'm giving this a buy it. I love this book. Sledgehammer 44, number two from Dark Horse. This is the second part of the two-part miniseries, and it turns out I was right. I'm not going to spoil the book and tell you what I was right about, but I was right, called my shot, boom. Now, I don't think it's a spoiler to tell you that Dr. Brutenholm Brutenholm from the BPRD shows up in the end of this, so it does, in fact, take place in the Hellboy BPRD universe. I am prepared to see more of Sledgehammer 44 because I think this character is really cool. You should go out and pick up both issues. Buy this, buy this, buy this! That is your ludicrous speed round and schlorp is the sound made when Cecil Stedman's nose slides off of his face and onto the bosom of OutRun as seen in this week's Invincible Universe number one. Why did his nose fall off? They explain it. Oh, okay gross yeah my head cold is really gonna help me with the sanctum sanctorum this week (laughs) this week in the sanctum sanctorum we're joined by our friend shang chi who'll be rubbing tiger balm on our sore muscles after our weekly kung fu lesson and when our glutes finally settle down and the medicated fumes of the tiger balm has filled our sinuses We'll use the THN Ouija board to channel the spirit of Shang-Chi's evil father, Dr. Fu Manchu. It will whisper the secrets of next week's comics to us from the land of wind and ghosts. Joe, what comic has the evil deceased doctor told you about? Well, my pick for next week is Star Wars, Darth Vader and the Ninth Assassin number one from Dark Horse Comics. 
by Tim Seidel and Stephen Thompson. Here's your solicit. Do you think they have contests to see who can come up with the longest Star Wars title? <laughs> I think they do. Eight assassins hired to murder Darth Vader. Eight assassins dead. Now the man who enlisted them seeks a ninth assassin. The price? A cost higher than all the credits in his bottomless coffers. But when it comes to avenging his son, no sacrifice is too great to acquire the one man who can kill the Dark Lord of the Sith. Spoiler alert, he lives. Yeah. Still, this sounds <laughs> like... It'd be great. Issue one. The dude just like murders Darth Vader. <laughs> what? <laughs> this sounds like a lot of fun. Just Darth Vader fending off assassin after assassin. Plus, it's written by Tim Seidel, who... Seriously, and this is his claim to fame, according to the solicit, has one of Time Magazine's 140 best Twitter feeds. We checked it out. It's pretty funny. It was kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, what are you excited for next week? My pick for next week is Five Ghosts, The Haunting of Fabian Gray, number two from Image. This one's written by Frank J. Barberi with art by Chris Mooneyham. You may remember I reviewed this last month when number one came out. It's a fantastic book. Really looking forward to more. And the same day that number two comes out, reprints of number one will hit the shelves too. So if you missed it, pick them both up. I think you will totally dig. This is the story of Fabian Gray, a treasure hunter possessed by five ghosts with five different badass skills that he can call on whenever he needs to. But those same ghosts may be killing him. And our trade paperback pick for next week is the Martial Law Deluxe Hardcover from DC. Collecting the complete martial law stories by Pat Mills with art by the abominable Kevin O'Neill. Martial Law is back in a new deluxe... Here's your solicit. Sorry. I'm not just making this up. Martial Law is back in a new deluxe edition hardcover. The futuristic law official is charged with policing superheroes gone rogue by any means necessary, all while fighting his own self-hatred for being the thing he hates most. Hence, you know, the self-hatred. A superhero. Sort of, uh, uh, not sort of, I guess it's a complete Judge Dredd ripoff, but I really enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) And I I love Kevin O'Neill. I'm looking forward to picking this one up. Of course, we want to know what you're looking forward to next week. So be sure to tell us where it hurts and what you're excited for at our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash nerd. Before we move on, let's take a moment to hear a quick word from our sponsor. The Two Headed Nerd Comic Cast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. This month, Legend Comics and Coffee is raising money for the Nebraska chapter of the Make-A-Wish Foundation by selling door prize tickets for $5 each, and each ticket gets you a chance to win a genuine copy of Amazing Spider-Man number 1, CGC graded at 4.0 and valued at about $4,000. You can go to legendcomicsandcoffee.com right now and donate as much as you want. There is no limit, and you don't need to be present to win. Help us raise money for this great cause and if we raise over $25,000 for Make-A-Wish occasional guest host Dave DeMarco will get a My Little Pony tattooed on his arm that's right that's not a I will beat the hell out of him if that happens give till it hurts people the drawing will be held on Saturday May 4th aka free comic book day you know the date it's nerd Christmas y'all go to legendcomicsandcoffee.com right now and make your donation 
Thanks again to Legend for sponsoring THN. And if you would like more information about sponsoring the show, send us an email, twoheadednerd at gmail.com, with the subject line, Sponsorship. Now it's time to dump the THN mailbag on the floor of the ziggurat and let the pugs choose a question submitted by one lucky listener. That's right, kitties. It's time for Ask a Nerd. This week, Johnny Ray writes via email. I'm a, Johnny Ray is probably not a hick, but I, I'm going to make him sound like one. Dear Ask a Nerd, I have superpowers. I can tell without reading an issue of the Avengers that it'll suck if Spider-Man and Wolverine are on the cover. Spider-Man and Wolverine are not Avengers. Doesn't Marvel know that? Why do teams roster change so fast it makes my head spin? Which brings me to my question. What two or three teams have the most stable roster over their lifetimes? I don't have a particular answer in mind. Just wanted to see what you would come up with. Putting yourself in the shoes of a writer, what do you think drives these frequent changes? And was it always like this? Thank you and God bless. <laughs> Great question, Johnny. Good question, Johnny. You sound like the guy that sells the vehicles in Borderlands. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, yeah, to answer your last question, it has always been like this. Yeah, let's start. Let's start at the end. It's always been like this. Uh, having teams change their lineups has been something that's happened since the dawn of cre- of uh, super teams. Pretty much, even the Fantastic Four has had different members, which you would think <laughs> would be pretty solid, right? But you know, Avengers number four immediately added Captain America, and yeah. then a year later. The founders all quit, and Cap had a, a completely original team. Yeah. It's just kind of... The uh, X-Men didn't even really hit their stride until Giant Size X-Men number one, where they introduced like seven new team members. It's you know? true. It's true. Uh, it, it's, it's a fun thing to, it, to change up your lineup a little bit, to it's add a fun characters thing. here it's and there. It's also a sales gimmick. You throw in some new characters, see if they stick, they get spinoff books. It's good for everybody, you yeah. know? And it keeps the book exciting. It keeps new blood in the book. I'm with you. When they first told me that Spider-Man and Wolverine were going to be Avengers, I said, that's dumb. I don't need this. That is stupid. I have always kind of been on board with the idea of Spider-Man being an Avenger, but I think Wolverine being in there is awful. I have softened to it, and now I really like it. I really like Wolverine there because I like the way that Wolverine and Cap work together. I think it's cool. I love Spider-Man as an Avenger now, too. But don't worry. He's getting fired next month. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So... Yeah, th- having the lineup change is kind of a tried and true, it's you business. know, staple. It's business practice, man, and it's always a fun thing. Like yeah. w- introducing a new lineup is always like a really fun moment in a in a superhero team book. Sure, uh, especially like for me, the old Avengers issues where you know H- Henry Gyrick comes to the team and says, "You've got to whittle it down to seven members. Who are you going to fire? Yeah. The Avengers are too expensive." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or uh, when they brought him back from Heroes Reborn and Busick and Perez, Perez launched their team. And for the first three issues, every Avenger was on the team. Yeah, it was nuts. And with issue four, they had to whittle it down to like seven or eight. And that's the kind of stuff that I love. Uh, now, to address your question of which teams have had the most stable lineup. The most stable lineup. That's difficult. I think Fantastic Four has to be on the list, even though they have made changes the changes are rare and really the core of the fantastic four will always be reed sue johnny and ben right they've had some other members definitely ff who else i think and this is might be kind of a, a weird curveball uh the outsiders i'm talking about like the batman and the outsiders outsiders has always pretty much been 
Batman, Metamorpho, Katana, Geoforce, Halo, Black Lightning. Yeah. No, you I'll know, give you that. But there, yeah. there's not a lot of not a lot of people coming and going from that team. And even when they read, even when the Outsiders came back right before the relaunch and stuff, it was still that same team. Yeah, that's true. They yeah. did relaunch Batman and the Outsiders, and it was mostly it the was same. Pretty much the same team. Yeah, and it was good too. Hey. Now uh, they're the Outlaws, and they run around the Red Hood. Red Hood and the Oh yeah, they're no relation to the Outsiders. <laughs> this is. A really tough question. We're sitting here brainstorming, and there aren't a lot of teams that are still around today that have maintained the same the members, same roster, yeah, for a long time. It just it doesn't happen. But it's not a bad thing. I think you need to get over the fact that you don't like certain characters and places, you know. And you said you can look at the cover and see that it sucks. Have you read them? Nah, no. Listen, <laughs> that's my if you don't like Wolverine, that's one thing. Yeah, sure, and, sure, I, sure. and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But. The changing of the team roster is just a classic trope of comic books, and it's been that way since the beginning, and yeah. it will always be that way. Now, an, a better thing to examine maybe is, are there certain characters that belong in certain teams and don't belong in others? If you want to make the argument that Wolverine doesn't belong with the Avengers, that's fine. I'll buy that. No, yeah. that's Just a like I would say, feasible you know, certain, certain characters belong in the JSA, but not the JLA. Right. You know? Absolutely. And like, why is Hawkman in the Justice League? <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Right. Rather, there are certain characters that just fit better in other teams, and maybe they're misplaced. That's no. That's a good point. I think that's a real good point. But unfortunately, changing teams staple of comics, buddy. That's how it goes. The old order changeth. It's on like every other comic book in the seventies, uh, sixties, and seventies. <laughs> the old order changeth. The old order changeth. <laughs> There are phrases that Marvel would just repeat over and over, like, what yeah. price victory? Oh, yeah, I remember what and price victory. And if this be my destiny. Yeah. Thanks a lot for the question, Johnny. If you have a comic question or trivia challenge for me, Joe Patrick, the, the most powerful, powerful nerd in the universe. He made me write that. You can send it to us via email with the subject line, ask a nerd, or Skype us so we can hear what you sound like. And maybe we won't give you a ridiculous accent if yeah, you do. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe Johnny Ray, very well spoken. That guy could be a Shakespearean actor. We don't know. Call us, John. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that's it for another ham-fisted episode of THN. If two nerds farting in Margaret Thatcher's general direction doesn't offend you too much, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or Stitcher, where, if you want to prove your THN love, you can leave us a star rating or a written review or a Stitcher thumbs up and help us connect with other potential listeners. Thank you to all of our past donors, and if you'd like to help us pay off our tabs at the Blue Oyster Bar, you can make your donation in any amount using our adorable little PayPal button at 2 nerdcom Just push it. It'll only hurt for a second. It'll make you feel like a man. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed, at TwoHeadedNerd, our Skype handle, TwoHeadedNerd, with no spaces, and our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com, where you can send us your love slash hate mail. You can leave us a voice message, or you can ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, or whatever. And don't forget to check out all the new content from the THN Love Slaves at TwoHeadedNerd.com, including Girl Meets Nerd, where you can find out why I was hobnobbing with Bill Nye last night. And man, did I hob his knob. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm not going to I can't do that. Oh. Bill Nye, when I was like, hey, will you introduce our podcast? He goes, uh, how many F-bombs do you drop? And I went, they're all bleeped out. And he goes, all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. 
And if you want to hear even more of your answers as well as our own, be sure to check out the newly revamped TwoHeadedNerd.com web exclusive not safe for Whippersnappers audio blog, The Answer of the Week. Next week. It is not time for Ask a Nerd. That's comic what we did this week. Next week, the comic pushers are back. So send us an email uh, if you're looking for new comics to read. That means and, I have to rap. And get ready for ah. MC Joe Patrick to lay down some rapid rhymes. Before we go, our <laughs> weekly shout-out goes to Ian Eppenbaugh. Sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. Who not, I told you that's how you say it. Who not only won tickets to see Bill Nye in Omaha this week at the Nebraska SciFest, but freaked out when my wife called him. She works for UNMC, who's putting on SciFest. And he freaked out when she called him to tell me one. Word to you, Ian, who exclaimed, Wait a minute, is this Casey from the Girl Meets Nerd THN blog? When she called from her work to award him the tickets. Classy. And, and until next time. I love it. Until next time. True Believers. Remember, to pre-order your comics, your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off.